When I talk to property investors, they often tell me using debt is a key advantage over other asset classes. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It is wonderful to be back, Owen, with our good friend today, Tom from InvestSmart. Welcome back, Tom. Thanks you very much for having me, and I'm happy to be back. Yes. We are going to have some fun today because we're talking about like property versus shares, the age-old debate. In fact, we will, at the end of the show, also have a debate, um, you and I, sir. So yes, good, sir. this will be a gentleman's uh, debate, but uh, we're going to talk about all the options that are available um, and probably some of the behavioral aspects, which I know you spend a lot of time on. We're going to talk about the the entry points, like does it make sense to do both property and shares? Can you do both? How do you do both? There's so much to to talk about and Kate's going to be our moderator. Yeah, and it's an important discussion to have because so many of us are told by our parents that property's the smart thing to do, the mm. thing we should do, the sign of success. You can post about it on Instagram with the sold sticker. It just doesn't happen with shares or ETFs, does it, Tom? No, it doesn't, does it? Like, I think the biggest thing there, and I'm probably already giving you one of your points, (laughs) (laughs) is that a house is tangible. Like, it's literally, you can walk Mm. into it um, and say, this is my lovely bathroom, but you can't really do that with a share. I mean, sometimes you you can actually order online the printed out Apple Mm. uh, share certificates. Mm. Um, I think it's like, it, it represents a real share. But, you know, I wouldn't have anyone over my house and go, look at this. This is amazing, isn't it? And yeah. they'd be like, oh, great. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we uh, so just for people that aren't aware of the context, I'm going to take the side of the property and you're going to take the side of shares or ETFs and the stock market generally. Yep, yep. Um, so uh, I will have – I'm in full costume, persona, so to speak. So uh, 
since we stepped in the studio, I am pro property. Yeah, yep. I literally said hi and you were like, property is king. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting because we've been talking about different types of investments the whole Mm -hmm. month during investing month during August 2023. And so this is an interesting way to have a look at how this is applied and what your other options are because we have a whole podcast talking about property, Mm. but we don't talk about property as much on the finance podcast because often there's a lot of ways to start investing more easily and there's a lot of different choices. So we try to give you the full range of Mm. options here. So I don't know, Tom, maybe to start us off, what would you say stand out to you as some of the key differences between buying a property and buying a a share like Telstra or buying an A200 ETF, which has all the largest Australian companies in it? Mm, Yeah, it's a very good uh, way to start. I guess the biggest thing is one thing we always talk about at InvestMart, particularly with the investment portfolios we offer, is diversification. Like We truly believe Mm. in that in terms of a well-diversified portfolio, choosing the right time frame. Over the long run, you tend to end up in a better spot. And I think the biggest thing with uh, residential property, in particular investment properties, is when you buy it, you're literally putting all your eggs into one basket. So you're uh, not only putting all your own eggs, you're actually borrowing other eggs from hmm. the bank in the form of the loan. So if something happened, then you know you might be in a bit of a world of trouble. Hmm. Um, but you know that being said, you can also be under diversified when it comes to share investing or choosing ETFs. Um, a lot of Australians will tend to stick to what they know, and that's usually Australian shares and even property. Um, but what we tend to find is that those that want to add in little bits and pieces of other asset classes, that's the way to go because you know you are uh, diversifying all your risk, and that's what we try to do with our capped fee portfolios. You literally, it's like going to the shop taking a box of cereal, high growth, um, mm. I guess it's like the brand one perhaps, but and <laughs> inst- instantly diversified yeah. uh, across all different asset classes. Yeah. And it's also cheaper, like to, to there's lower minimums to do a share portfolio than it is to start with property. Like you said, all eggs in one basket. You can chip away at it, like the $500 minimum for most brokers it is. Um, obviously, some platforms allow you to invest in cents, but um, there's other aspects like Okay, question. What's the minimum you can put into an InvestSmart uh, PMA, like a professionally managed account? Yeah, so professionally managed account is the structure and then you can choose portfolios. Uh, and it's $10,000 uh, okay. if you want to own the portfolio upfront. Yep. But if you wanted to even have a fund later, which allows you to come to us with 4000 and we give you, we lend you $6,000, it's like a non-recourse loan, Um that's the lowest that you can get in. So $4,000 and then you just pay $325 uh, over a period of 20 months mm. uh, and that gets you invested immediately. Yeah. So that's like, uh, the reason I, I wanted to bring that up is that it, it's a lot more palatable for people, right? Not just younger people, but older people as we're talking off air about, it is a, a lot Instead easier. Instead of needing a $100,000 yeah. deposit or maybe it's a bit less with some of the other schemes available. I was doing some Googling before this, so... Full disclosure, this is what Dr. Google gave to me. What do you guys think is the average price of a property in Australia, like of sales? Ooh. Considering Sydney and all those types of places, like but Melbourne also, even. there's a lot of regional areas. Yeah, a lot of regional areas. But most of the population is in the major capitals where there's very expensive properties. I would oh, probably, I would say maybe 800,000. Okay. Seven or 800,000? So according to what I got, it was 890,000. Gee. It's very high. It is very high. Yeah. 
And that's, yeah, there's 11 million homes in Australia, by the way. Gee, I remember just even my parents bought their house in Brisbane on the north side and they spent $60,000 for it. And that was back in, hmm. I think, 88 from memory. Mm. And then just over time, because my dad's always been following it, giving me his running commentary on the <laughs> property market. The market's up today. I'm like, which market? Um, and just constantly, like, I guess hearing from different people in the area, oh, you know, Bill and Jeanette just sold their house for 120. Ours is bigger than that, so ours must be worth 140. I think that's the other thing with uh, property is that there is no central market. And uh, I might get a bit of criticism for this, but I think even the industry is very unregulated. Mm. Oh, it um, is, yeah. It is. And I used to follow the uh, the auction reports quite closely mm. and watch, you know, what uh, was passed in, what actually sold. And there never was any kind of transparency there. And they'd often come out weeks after and update the figures in a backwards fashion. Mm. So that's something that I, I struggle with, given that we work in a field where we have a, uh, you know, Australian Financial Services license. We have to, by law, not tell anyone uh, incorrect info or lead them to believe that a certain investment will make them money, mm. like to the moon and back type thing. <laughs> Can't do that. And I also think that's an ethical thing. Mm. So that's sometimes when I hear anecdotal evidence and even see it, like going to some auctions and you hear some claims getting made. Yeah, That's one other thing I sort of take issue with. No, that's a good point to mention. When when you're investing in shares or ETFs, you can see exactly how much it costs to buy a share or a unit right now. And you can really control if you only have two hundred dollars to invest this month, you can you can use that money. But with property it's there's yeah. a much wider scope of prices and and the amount you need to invest is a lot bigger. I don't want to give Tom too much ammo here, but um <laughs> The thing that always got me as well is like when you have like on settlement or when you think about your deposit is uh, things like stamp duty, mm. the conveyance or illegal costs, all of these types of things and how they actually contribute to the overall cost of a property and the deposit that you need. It can surprise people a lot. Then you've got LMI, uh, which is lended mortgage insurance. So there's a lot of frictional costs that you mm -hmm. kind of just, you know that they're there, but you don't know exactly what they will be because of all the incentives, the different, whether you're a first-time buyer, second, whatever. Mm. And it's just really unknown, right? It's really opaque mm. from that perspective. So don't have that certainty, which is fair. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many different schemes. And I can't even remember if that first home buyer scheme, remember where you could contribute to super mm. and then you could eventually take it out and put it i can't even remember if it that's still exists, still yeah, exists. Still exists. Yeah. People, i'd say people are more inclined to use it now that prices have gone up yep i think and more people are aware of it and super mm. funds are actually providing more education on how that works now yeah mm. oh, i was actually that's one of the things that i was thinking here that's like yeah that's called the first home super saver scheme mm. or fhsss oh yes yep um it's um and people we were talking to a financial advisor last week are using it as a way mm. to save a deposit tax effectively, but there are a lot of rules around it, so you do want to get expert tax advice. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, it, 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 that's an option for people to try and break down the barrier. But still, even if you think, okay, let's say there are a lot of expensive houses that would skew that average price number. But say, for example, your house is like a hundred, uh, sorry, like seven hundred thousand dollars in a major capital city. You could probably you're looking at over a hundred thousand dollars in savings before you even start which is prohibitive to a lot of folks. Mm. Um, so it's a big mountain to climb just to get mm. to the first base. 
yeah. um, which for a lot of people is is really hard and overwhelming. It is, isn't it? It's such a large amount of money. And when you actually do commit to it and even hearing stories from different people who have in the last few years um, have done that and then they've had little drops in their area mm. uh, and the actual amount that their property's worth is way less than their, their loan. Yeah. Um, it's in, and that, Again, it's very geographical. It's sort of very skewed because there's obviously Sydney, mm. Melbourne, regional areas, yep. Brisbane, Canberra. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of pros for investing in shares and ETFs. Like, it's a lot more liquid. I can sell on a daily basis if I want to. I can start with a smaller amount. I can make regular contributions. I can make smaller mistakes at the beginning. But, Owen, do you want to give us some pros for the property side of things? Yeah, sure. So, the obvious one is like invest in what you know. Uh, everyone knows what a property is, not everyone knows what a share is. Like, people still don't know that it is ownership of a business. So, mm. um, there's definitely an advantage there from familiarity. Uh, I think another thing is people can see value being added to a property. Like if you do a, a paint job or something like that, you can actually see the, if I do this, then that. Yeah. Whereas when you think about shares, if I put out a term like return on invested capital, everyone's like, what the heck does that mean? And it just means that the CEO and the management team are reinvesting back in the business for a benefit of shareholders. But no one really thinks about that. They're like, is this similar to painting my house? Well, it is but you just measure it very differently. So people don't understand that. Um, I would say that like the other benefit of property is it is unique. So there's like markets within markets. And if you buy correctly, there is money to be made. Um, and that is, I don't want to, it's, don't, it's not all art, but there's a lot of art to that versus what we typically associate with shares being more science. Um, so that makes it easier for people to comprehend. Like if they drive down a street and they're a first home buyer and they look at all the houses that are there and one of them's for sale and they're like, that's probably the worst house on this good street. Um, and I can see like this area is becoming gentrified. People are moving here. There's opportunity here. Whereas if you look at like Telstra's profit and loss, you're like, if you're a new investor, you're like, I don't know what this means. So that's another thing. Um, on your primary residence or so where you live, there's a capital gains tax it's capital gains tax free. So you could sell it in a few years, uh, no tax paid. And then you could like take that on to the next property. That's another one. Uh, you can earn rental income and all those types of things. If it's a primary residence, you got to be careful though, because you might lose that capital gains tax free, um, I guess, availability because it does impact that. Another thing is it's tangible. Like literally you can touch it, you can feel it. Like Tom, you're saying you can flush your toilet, Kate, as you were saying. You can't flush your share certificate. Like, you don't want to do that anyway. Um, what else can you do in it? Um, you can, like, it's a lifestyle asset, so you can benefit from it in non-financial ways, which is obviously a huge, huge appeal because we all have to live somewhere. I mean, I could keep going on, hmm. but longer term too, um, which I'll probably have this in my debate, is longer term too you would have to say that the supply-demand imbalance is way out of whack in Australia, meaning there are fewer houses and there are a lot of people either coming here or population just generally increasing of people that were born in Australia. And that, in my opinion, doesn't look like it's going anywhere. So in terms of just very basic economics, there's more people than there are houses. So that's positive for property. Um, so that would be, a, mm. yeah. Something you said was interesting was how we're familiar with property and a lot of people that are new to investing think there's a really steep learning curve to buying your first share or buying mm. your first ETF. Do you think that familiarity that we've all been in a share house, we've rented, we've grown up in a house helps us or hinders us on our investing and property There's two sides journey? to that for sure, Kate. Good question. 
I think there's a very big risk here, which is that people just only think about property because it's the only thing they're familiar with and prices have gone up. So you end up with like, I'm going to be a very stereotypical here, the guy that's a tradie, he's a, like he's a sparky, he has a super fund, it's called CBUS and CBUS supports property in Australia. Uh, his income is tied to property, his primary residence is tied to property and what is he most likely to invest in? Another investment property. And to your point, Tom, about diversification, he would in no way have that in his financial picture. So the familiarity can lead people astray in a big way. So I think it's always important to broaden your horizons. Um, thankfully, super is pretty well diversified in some respects, but um, we'll come to this. But I think you can do both. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you do consider what else is available to you. Um, I think that will be the, the final message. But yes, familiarity is very good because people don't have the emotional thing, which is what Tom's spoken to us about on the show many times before. You don't have the emotional uncertainty. It's like you're not walking outside in the dark or down to the fridge to get a midnight treat and you get scared of what you don't know. With, with property, the lights are on. You can see what's happening. Um, with shares, people are kind of like feeling their way through it and they're not sure. So good and bad yeah. is the answer. Do you see a lot of clients working towards both a property goal and an investing goal? I guess they both could be investing goals, but investing in shares and ETFs at the same time for different timeframes? Yeah, absolutely. We see some people who will have a fairly short timeframe, maybe three years, and that's fairly short in the investing world. Mm. And they're just trying to get together their, uh, you know, deposit so Mm -hmm. they can go to the bank and say, we're worthy to buy this house. And it's funny, actually, because when we see people contact us to uh, withdraw their actual investment, Um, we usually ask, oh, is everything okay? And they will say, we've actually met our goal. Um, Mm -hmm. We're ready to go find the property or we found it. Um, And it's a really good feeling because you're like, we've literally helped someone reach their goal. Like it's what Mm. it was designed for. Um, But with our professionally managed accounts, um, you can have inside it, many different portfolios, many different goals. And that's what you should do with an investment plan is have Mm. multiple goals. So long-term creation wealth, which is something we see quite often, Uh, someone saving outside of super, but then they will have a shorter timeframe for something like a home deposit. Mm. Yep. There is, I would just maybe add one thing on here. Uh, There is a risk though that people get too short-term focused with their investing for a property Mm. goal. And put their house deposit in the market. Yeah, but yeah, and that's... And that's why you guys have so many different options of different strategies that are lower risk and higher risk. But, you know, when interest rates were like 1% or lower a few years ago, people were like, I've got to invest this money because it's just sitting there. Mm. And the stock market was like raging higher. So people were taking heaps of risk without realizing what they were doing. Mm. But I think that's a thing, right? Like people should always consider both, even though we're Mm. kind of taking opposite views today. What about property investment options? I mean, to either of you outside of just saving up that $100,000 and buying a house on a street. Yeah, it's a very good point, isn't it? And the thing I think we get caught up in too is the residential property. But there are other properties or property types out there as well. So industrial, there's also commercial. Um, There's the different real estate investment trusts that if you want to get into uh, like Centre, um, who own the Westfield Shopping Centre collection. Mm. I think they've got like 42 different Hmm. Uh, Westfields. And I was reading the other day that uh, they're actually got a lot of growth still ahead of them because uh, their occupancy rate is 95%. So they went through COVID and a lot of people thought, 
just buy online, don't need to go to the shops anymore. Yeah. And there was a bit of like a, uh, you know, tremble there. But that's really changed. A lot more people are heading back to the shops. Mm. Mm. Um, but there's some really interesting ones. Like there's obviously ETFs, uh, like Vanguard has the uh, VAP. And we use that ourselves inside our InvestMart diversified portfolios. But we also use it in our single asset class portfolio. And that's the property and infrastructure portfolio. So if we have someone who comes to us and says, I've already got Aussie shares, I've got uh, cash at the bank, I've got some uh, you know, international, what, what can you do to help me get diversified? We can actually you know, slot hmm. in that single asset class. And that's got things in it like, um, I think it's like uh, an Auckland, an airport uh, mm. stock. It's got, I used to have Sydney Airport before it uh, you know, went privatized again, but it's got VAP in there, the ETF that then itself holds different A-REITs and everything as well. Yeah. That's a really good point for those people that don't know what a REIT is, Real Estate Investment Trust. Basically, they're set up on the stock exchange. So you can buy it in your brokerage account or through InvestSmart um, and you get properties like real properties they're not residential properties they're office towers they're industrial commercial premises and i think a lot of professional property investors have like i speak to a lot of people that are professional property investors and they have nothing to do with residential property absolutely mm. nothing to mm. do with it it's just that in our land people are just so concerned are so immersed in like oh i can just buy houses most professional property investors that i come across do not invest in residential houses they invest in so many other things like uh, bigger projects, even development themselves. Mm. Um, and that's something that people should broaden their horizons with. I think if you are only interested in residential property, well, why not have a look at all the other things that you see in the world? Like infrastructure is an interesting one. Um, so you mentioned Auckland International Airport. That's available as an investment that you can make. Uh, that's an airport. Obviously, it's the most dominant airport in New Zealand. Sydney Airport was on the the stock exchange here in Australia, but it got bought out. Um, Transurban mm. is a really good example here in Australia that owns the toll roads like CityLink, uh, M7, so many others uh, throughout Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and just all over the place. Mm. Really good businesses. And they're what we call infrastructure. Even like Horizon as yes. well. Yes. That's a good example of transporting like all the, the coal and other things along the train network. Yep. You can buy into that and then actually as part owner receive some of the income in the form of like tolls or yeah. uh, different things like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's formerly called QR National. Yes. Yeah. Queensland uh, Rail. Yeah. Yep. Queensland Rail. Uh, for those that don't know it, that's that's a these are really good things that you can invest in uh, if you just open your door a little bit to what else mm. is out there in the market. Mm. And to, to be honest, I see a lot of people start with residential property and they realize this and they're like, oh wow, like I can invest in ETFs. I can invest in infrastructure i can invest yes in the building and you don't need to manage it. In. yeah you don't need to manage it bwp trusts um probably made most famous by scott pipe's book uh where he talked about like they they actually own the bunnings warehouses like the property uh not the actual business but the property yeah and, and you mentioned vap so does that indicate that investmart sees property as playing a role in a diversified portfolio Absolutely, yeah. Um, in all of our portfolios that are diversified, it does have a property and infrastructure uh, hmm. sector. So we do believe that. We believe it's part of any well-diversified portfolio. Yeah, right. Mm. Cool. I like it. Yeah. The other thing which was really interesting too, and I've only looked into this slightly, is like the crowd funding, crowdsourcing. Yeah. Have you seen those? Like companies like, is it bricks with an X? Yeah, you buy a brick. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. literally buy a brick in a house. Um I, I checked their website recently. There wasn't too much happening on it 
uh, I think they may be becoming very popular, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know much about them, and I, I, I would just say like keep it simple because. The fees were to. quite high with some of these fractional property fractional. investing platforms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people, a lot of brands have tried to do it, and it's basically the sole purpose is, in my, from what I can tell, is platforms are trying to say to investors or consumers or first home buyers, we we know you think the property market is getting away from you, so give us whatever you've got now, and it will try and stay in line with that. So you don't feel that emotion of, oh, everything's getting away from me. No, take your five grand and you can use it this way. Personally, I don't know if it's I don't know if that's the best way to think about saving for a deposit and getting exposure to property. As you said, like you've got ETFs, you've got managed portfolios that can do this for you. It doesn't have to be exposure to residential property. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like you've got so many other different uh, I guess investment vehicles to get this done, and that's quite bespoke. Mm. Um, but it's interesting, like whenever there's a, a problem, there's usually something that arises that, you know, in the business world, I guess, and yeah. in the investing world. Capitalism at work. That's it. Yeah. 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 All right. I think we're ready for our debate. Okay. Do you think so? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I to think go. I can. I'm going to give you 60 seconds for your opening Who arguments. goes first? Do you think? Tom, you're the Tom's, guest. Tom's a professional debater, you said. Oh, no, no. That was like in year seven, I think. <laughs> and from memory, I uh, didn't do too well. <laughs> All right. So, 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 so the way it works in a debate, correct me if I'm wrong, is there's like three rounds. There's like an opening statement from each person and then the next two rounds are like back and forth. Is that correct? I don't know. The high school debating, Champion. each person would take a different part. You'd, You'd think have we would team. know this before we record a podcast, but well, we're going to make it up as we go We're not along. a debating podcast. I mean, the other thing we could do is split it down into different things if you wanted to. Um, okay. Or I can just say why I think... You know, if someone come to me, but I say, yep, get into property or get into shares. I think we just keep it simple. Keep it simple. We'll just see what happens. second opening argument for why shares over property. And we might say, when we say shares. ETFs. It could mean ETFs, right? That's it. Yeah. So so let's go. A range of different investments over one single property. All right. Ready, set, go. So I guess I would start by saying that with a share or an ETF, it's much easier to start off earlier because you can get uh, you know into shares even as low as $5 sometimes, uh, $500 for an ETF. And over time, you can keep adding to it. And the brilliant thing about the shares is that, sure, you know it's not a tangible asset, but because it's in an environment where it literally will be on a stock exchange, they're required by law to be as transparent as possible. So you've got a team of people either running the ETF uh, or running the company, and their job is to try and improve the value based on that. Um, in terms of, you know, you can still do things like negative gearing with shares uh, or ETFs. You can actually borrow uh, and then use it and claim deductions, but obviously seek advice about that. Um, but it is possible, but you get so much more diversification. And then coming back to what I made before is that with buying a property, you're literally putting all your eggs into one basket and you're borrowing eggs from other places. And if something was to happen, as we've seen with interest rates rising, then you know some people can be caught out. Hmm. All right, just over 60 seconds, but we'll give you That's that impressive. one. That's <laughs> impressive. Ah, I was waiting, I was waiting for the wink, wink, but it didn't happen. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, wink, wink. I'll give Owen a wink, wink then. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. This could get 60 seconds. <laughs> All right. Owen's going to tell us why property. Ready, set, 
Go. Okay. Uh, one, it may help uh, to protect you against a zombie apocalypse. Yes, yep. Of course. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Uh, secondly, properties performed very well in Australia over the past 20 to 30 years. I've got some numbers that I'll throw at you in a minute, but um, it combines lifestyle with financial security for a lot of people, which is a huge benefit for most people. Can't, um, like with, with of shares, you can't obviously live in the bedroom, but you can with property. So, you can raise a family and it gives you security if you do have kids and those types of things. You don't have to keep moving around and whatever. Um, I'd say another thing is most people in Australia are genuinely involved in the property conversation from a very young age. Kate, you mentioned like white picket fence, um, golden retriever, etc. That is like the Australian dream for a lot of people. A lot of people do get a lot of satisfaction from owning a property. Um, there are high minimums with property, which is a very fair criticism However, I think like getting into the property once you're in, it's uh, once you're set, it's a fantastic asset you can do other things with. I went way over. My opening argument is shocking. Oh, well. but you also were like really strict <laughs> with the time. Uh, yeah, I got yeah. the countdown. I got the fingers for people that aren't watching. I got the fingers. Five, I wanted to mention one. the most important thing about property is that you can actually have turkeys in your backyard. Oh, you can have turkeys in your backyard too. I also have you can you oh, can poop in it. You can do many on. other things. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Is it turkeys? Can you have male turkeys or is it like the roosters where they're too loud? Well, or? I thought it was a f- two females, but it turns out there's one male, one female. But they yeah. don't like gobble as much as people think, so yeah. they make that noise. He's yeah. also got chickens and rabbits and dogs. It's a whole zoo situation. It's a yeah, menagerie. It's, it's happening, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's diversification at work right there. That's I mean, it, yeah. Can yeah. your Telstra shares do that? Yeah. Uh, well, possibly. <laughs> I don't know what Telstra's doing anymore. You <laughs> yeah. used to be able to get a discount on your like items when you own shares. That doesn't happen Most as companies much anymore. have got rid of all those yeah. things. For those yeah. of you that don't know, you used to be able to just buy shares in a company and you get like $5 off or 3% off and for your loyalty. Well, it's even. I remember when I used to work at a share broker and we'd get people ringing up uh, because they owned shares in like the uh, like P&O Fairstar or something. Yeah. And you'd actually get discounts when you book a cruise. Um, and it's the same with even, I think Woolworths used to give yeah, discounts do, yeah. as well. Yeah. And Domino's used to do it. I don't know if they still do. Like There were so many things like this. You're just like, that's really cool. And it mm. makes sense. Mm. Like You get loyalty. Yep. Sometimes if you go to the AGM, though, you still get some, yeah, some merch, products or, and merch. Yeah. Yeah, I got like the uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. You get the Coca-Cola, you get the biscuits, the lollies. Yeah. I mean, right. I just can't afford a Berkshire Hathaway stock. It's like <laughs> something ridiculous per stock at the moment. Yeah, the, Can you the, the still A go class, if you've got a fraction though? The A class is 500,000 US dollars yep, yep. per share, but the B class is a lot less. Yeah. What if I just own $5? I, so when you rock up to the Berkshire event, you have to just prove that you own shares. Oh, okay. That's it. Oh. And I think you can bring... I could be mistaken, but I think you can bring two or three people in with you. Okay. okay. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. All right. Okay. Round two Round is going to look at the risks. So when people Ooh. look at you, Tom, and go, well, Tom, what about X, Y, Z? This could happen with owning shares. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Sure. So with any kind of investing decision, there's always risk. It's, I guess, how you control that risk is what we would say. Um, if you don't want to try and get a return that is above the market, just stick it in the bank and, you know, that's risk-free technically, depending on certain things. Um, but the thing with shares and even ETFs, you can get diversification within diversification. So even with our portfolios, our diversified portfolios at Investmile and they're capped fee, um, so you do control some of the factors about the cost of running it, we'll have it being diversified into different uh, asset classes, but then we'll also 
by ETFs that will have 200 Aussie stocks in it. So I would argue that, you know, if something does happen, at least you've spread your eggs into different baskets. You've got some uh, roosters, you've got <laughs> some turkeys, you've got some rabbits. So, you know, if someone doesn't like eating rabbit, there you go. Mm, okay. oh, under time, 55 seconds, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's fair enough. Okay. Um, do you have something to say, yes, Owen? Yes, I do have something. I'm just taking some notes. Okay, I'm good. All right. So I'm debating the risk for property. I've already started your timer. Okay, so um, like getting in and out of shares is a good thing, but it can also be a very bad thing um, because people can overtrade. Because there is a lot of frictional costs in property, like you got stamp duty, you got all these other things, people tend to be long-term investors by default. Like you, you don't, other than the flippers who are probably a bit flipping mad, you don't get that as much. Um, you don't get that over-trading activity uh, that you'd get in property. Like if you own a property now, and to your point, Tom, before, you know, property may have fallen in the last two years or last year, you, people tend to be less inclined to sell. And what we've seen is in the last year, not as many share, uh, not as many properties coming onto the market to sell, and that has kept prices high. It's kind of like an artificial market because everyone's like, well, I'm not going to sell now. It's bad. So I'm going to keep a hold of this. Um, there are a lot of incent incentives for people to own property. So the risk of not owning a property, like if you're renting for life, is pretty. there's a lot of risk there. Like you're going to be moving. You're basically a price taker from your landlord, et cetera, et cetera. Um, once you have a home, they can't take it away from you. And yeah, we talk about diversification, but I mean, go big or go home. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bang. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. Yep. You're impressed, Tom? I am impressed. I don't know uh, if that really... I was thinking about my ending, uh, go big or go home. I don't know if that works because... Go big or buy home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Go back to your parents. <laughs> okay, here we go. All Round right. three. Round three is more ding, about ding, ding. the returns. So does it actually hold up over time? Am I going to build wealth through investing in shares and ETFs, Tom? Yeah, so that's a really good question because uh, when a lot of people talk about property, you often hear about the uh, the you know the good stories. Oh, such and such did this, and they doubled their money in you know two years or something like that. You don't hear about all the smaller stories where someone's lost money because they bought in a regional area or they bought somewhere that's not the best spot. Uh, it's very specific, you know, like in certain capital cities, for example. Um, look with. With shares, like if you had have invested in the ASX 200, uh, which is the top 200 Aussie shares by market cap, like an index, um, that's that's earned something like 9% per year over the last 30 years. Um, so something like that within a well-diversified portfolio. Uh, Long-term, the argument is that you're betting on that country, say Australia, its economy. And the idea is that, you know, long-term, I would argue Australia has a lot of growth still left into it. And that's why I think the shares and ETFs are good. That was a nice argument, Tom. That's very eloquent. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Oh, do you mind. have an eloquent argument in return? I got some. I got some. You got, got some, some numbers. Got some, some numbers. Got some numbers. Yeah. All right. Hit me. Okay. Since uh, since 1990, January 1990 until uh, 30th of June 2023, property has performed around eight percent per annum. Go back to 1980. Um, and it's around about 9.8% per year. Uh, this is using data from the Vanguard website. Shares, admittedly, Aussie shares and US shares have outperformed modestly, so about 1% to 2% per annum. Um, but the big thing is here, you mentioned leverage before, you can leverage this bad boy up. So you can um, get a, a loan for sometimes five, sometimes six times your annual salary, and you can park it in a property, and you can 
magnify the returns. Yes, obviously magnifies the losses in a big way, but it magnifies the returns and you can make improvements if you're quite handy. Um, I would say uh, two more things. One is supply demand imbalances out of whack in Australia. If you own a property and it's a good property, not one of those like off the plans in the fringe suburbs, it's a good thing. Uh, people are coming to Australia. They love the country. Um, go Australia. I, I was going to say that's a good idea. <laughs> go Australia. It's patriotic. I can't argue against that. Is it your patriotic duty to buy a home? Oh, apparently it is. <laughs> it's like, uh, which prime minister was it that was go forth and multiplying? Yeah. It was yeah. that John Howard? I think. Was it, early, was it, was it earlier? I think it might have been earlier. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But I remember the line. Yep. Go hey. forth and multiply. I'm going to bring this up while... Uh, <laughs> Kate hangs in. <laughs> yeah. Rabbits. Yeah. Rabbits. Uh, what have we got? Uh, oh, no. This is um, Genesis 128 says, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> okay. There was there was a prime minister, though, who did say something like that. Have a baby. Uh, have two babies, you know. Yeah, right. And it's like, okay. <laughs> well, that's it. Population growth. It does help. It does help my property case, to be honest, because um, we're seeing rapid property, um, like, appreciation because there's not enough homes and with builders going bankrupt that's a very bad thing but also um it means that there are few it's like slowing down there's a massive shortfall uh pete wargen who co-hosts our property podcast said yesterday i think something like there's like two people um added to australia's population every minute or something like this it works out to be i think he said seven hundred thousand a year yep which is insane when you think about the number of people talk about multiplying Mm. we are we are breeding like rabbits. But um, that's migration as well, isn't migration it? Migration as well, yeah. And it's that's a big problem. <laughs> so when we did the numbers as a government, we, I was like in the room for sure. <laughs> hey, oh, what do you think about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah no worries. No worries, Jim Chalmers. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Uh, but like when the numbers were done, they, they obviously report net migration. The problem is people are coming to Australia, but no one's going overseas to work. Mm. No one's leaving Australia. Mm. Um, so we're seeing what was probably unpredicted, which was people just want to stay. Yep. Whereas before COVID, a lot of people were exiting to go to Europe and work and go to America and work, and there's a lot of migration going around. Mm. But now people just want to stay. So. Yeah, yeah. There's also the other thing, um, there was a lot of people during COVID that went from a share house and they went even to their own mm. or even smaller properties as well. Yeah. So that took up a lot of the supply. People wanted some space. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I might just like add something on the end here because I have taken the pro-property side of the conversation. I am a firm believer in shares and stock market and ETFs, like more so than property. Just in case you haven't listened just, to any other episodes. Just in case this is done. the first episode you've ever tuned in for on a the Rask Australian finance podcast. Like but both of us do both. We, yeah. Well, that is the thing. Yeah. I think all of us would say we do both in some way, shape or form. Mm. Whether it's through a real estate investment trust. Yeah. An ETF. Like all of our ETFs would probably own, like and if you went right down into it and you drilled into it, they've probably got- Shares of like Charter Hall in there, which is one of the biggest prop. I think it is the biggest property owner in Australia. Yep. Um, and so many other, like Transurban would be in your A200 ETF. Yep. So there's like so many different things inside of all that that you own both. Mm. And, and that is the beauty of in shares. Their superannuation. Does, superannuation does probably own both unless they've gone and altered things. Yeah, I think the Sydney. We mentioned Sydney Airport is no longer on the stock exchange, but it's privatised now. Mm. But I'm pretty sure that was a consortium that may have been backed by some. One of super the super funds, funds. Yeah. yeah. I think it was one yeah. of the industry super funds, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Aussie Super, the biggest super fund in Australia, owns a big stake of Melbourne Airport. 
So by being in those balance funds and all that, you will have some exposure to property anyway. Mm. Um, but the overall majority is businesses first, and then you get that sort of stuff. I think so. I think this really highlights, though, again, and I know the last times I've been here, sort of talking about how when people think about investing, they do have that tunnel vision where they think, I need to get invested property, I've been told about that, I'm just going to do that. But as we try and say, even at InvestSmart, like we've got the diversified portfolios, um, but we've also got the intelligent investor brand. Yeah. And I know you've had Nathan Bell on before, mm. and they're the actively managed investments where they're trying to beat the market. Um, and we often, when we get asked, oh, how can you have a company that has a passive and then also an active like, aren't you contradicting yourself? And we say, well, no. Like, have you heard of core and satellite as an approach? Yeah. Having some passive, having little bits of uh, active investments. Mm. It's the same thing when it comes to property. Like, it's something that you should not just go all your eggs in one basket or all your turkeys in one uh, backyard. <laughs> but, you know, you should actually spread across different areas. And that's the whole idea that we really try to say at InvestMart is diversify, keep the fees down. Um, you know, and let time uh, work on your side. Yeah. Um, just real quick, um, obviously, VestMart sponsor of the show. We talked about fun later ages ago with Evan. You And one of the questions that I don't know if I, we put to you or just, I don't know who it was, but we talked about, so can you just give us the 101 of fun later and mm. how it works? And then I've got the follow-up question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the minimum uh, investment for our portfolios is $10,000. Mm-hmm. And that's because uh, that allows us to diversify you, put you know different um, asset classes at work. Yep. Anything lower, we couldn't do it. So we realized that for some people, they just don't have 10 grand lying around. And we said, if you come to us with $4,000, we'll actually lend you $6,000, so a maximum of six. You don't have to take six. Mm. You could take five uh, and come to us with five. And what we say is that we'll lend you that money and it's non-recourse. So it means that we, you know, say if you had to close your investment for whatever reason, and you can do that, uh, we don't come after you and say, you owe us $200 extra, we're going to make you, you know, give us that $200. We don't do that. Um, obviously, the investment portfolio you choose uh, is used, you know, to support that that loan function. But basically, you're paying back $325 a month, and it's over 20 months. Mm. So that then at the end... Uh, pays back that amount. And also uh, there's a facility fee of the $25 per month. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting because even Effie Zahos, she was saying to me once, Australians um, are really bad at saving, but we're really good at paying off debt. Mm. And I was like, that rings true because we get a lot of people who will get a fund later account. They get invested immediately. So the day they apply for it, um, we actually set them up, you know, five days later, they're in the $10,000 minimum investment. So it starts working from that exact day and they, they start to pay it off over time then. Um, mm. And we find that that behavior sticks. At the end of that period, they've paid the loan off. They realize I can just keep doing the 325 and it builds really good habits. So they continue to make regular contributions, which is another key to investing. We do that with our super. Mm. Um, the reason I wanted to get you to give us that again is because you made a change recently, which I asked about at the time, which is you can then, now you can redraw, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, yeah. So if you've paid off your fund later loan, uh, you can come back to us and actually uh, reapply and get some more money loaned towards your investment portfolio. 
which makes a lot of sense for people that would want to keep going mm. and get more exposure and more exposure and more exposure. Yeah, I just uh, – and um, a lot of people know that there's like the $25 fee, mm. right? Um, and you can work it out where like if that's tax deductible and what would the cost be effectively for doing that. But it's really interesting to me because as interest rates have gone up, the $25 fee hasn't gone up, which is quite interesting. That's right. Yeah. If you understand your maths and the after-tax impact of returns and yeah, it's a really interesting thing. Uh, that's what I'll say. That's yeah. Funny. The other thing is too, is like you're in control of that. So if you said I can actually pay it off in four months you'll only pay that $25 fee four times. So mm. it's not like you're locked into that fee for the entire mm. uh, rest of the yeah the period. Yeah, cool. Well, um, Tom, this has been heaps of fun. Mm. I think it will generate some discussion. <laughs> there will be some so YouTube comments. If you want to send from anonymous us, handles. <laughs> if you want to send us some follow-up questions or some comments, yeah. there is a link in your podcast player below that says send a question. Yeah, send us some feedback. I love doing the... The debates. I think it's good fun. They're You're good. a worthy adversary. Yes, and you are too, sir. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. A good moderating, Kate. That was heaps of fun. Good moderating. Yeah. That was the best part, I think. I yeah. think the rent first buy is probably worth another debate as well because that is mm. very, yeah. Yeah. very topical at that's the moment. But that's probably another whole conversation. But it is. if people want to find you, I know they can head to the InvestSmart website. We'll have it in the show notes and they can chat to you by hitting the chat box on the side that's of the screen. It. Yep. Mm. Me and the team will be there. And uh, yeah. You can request Tom. You can. You can say, where's Tom? Get him, get him back. <laughs> yeah. You missed this on the show. <laughs> That's it. I, I spend a lot of my time doing the Investor Bootcamp. Yep. Um, and we've recently launched the uh, Bootcamp for Business as well. Yeah. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. It's, um, it's on the website. It's sort of like hiding in the footer. But if you're literally uh, a company or you've got a team of uh, you know employees and you think, you know, poor old Janet's worrying about um, a bit financially stressed, um, do the course and it actually helps you with, you know, relieving uh -huh. that financial literacy, it can help improve, you oh, know, workplace. So businesses can buy it. So yeah. Janet's employer could buy it. Yep. Yep. And absolutely. Yep. Come, and they can request, uh, you know, how many seats they want and we can just give them a quote, a custom quote and say, this is how much it is, give them access and then they can actually oversee their employees, um, you know, or That's colleagues doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I mean, I think InvestSmart has a lot of people in it who are really big on financial literacy. And I know you guys are as well, you know, just trying to teach people different terms and trying to bring those barriers down because, you know, there's so much out there and it doesn't need to be so complex as well. Yeah. So if you're an employer, a lot of business owners listen to the show. So um, it's a really good thing. Employer yeah. assistance, uh, mm. financial literacy, give the gift. Great stuff. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. And Kate, as always, thanks for joining me. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. 
If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.